You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you so much for that. Keep your Bibles out here. We're going to look at a lot of verses here in the book of Acts this morning, chapter number 9. And so thankful for the opportunity to be able to be in God's house today. I was thinking about uh, last night as I was uh, just finishing up some studying. And uh, we are getting ready to go into the fourth quarter of 2021. Unbelievable. I mean, here another year is getting ready to come to an end. I was thinking about our theme uh, and the verses there as we we look at um, uh, the theme for uh, this year, building up you and building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And just thinking about uh, how God has... He, he wants us to be growing and building in our faith. That's not a stagnant process. Building is active. And so that means that each of us are continually to be growing and be building. And, uh, but when you stop and you think about it, if we're not really sure where we're going and what we're supposed to be building, it's a little bit hard. It's hard to stay on point if you're not quite sure what our mission is. You know, we talked uh, in the last couple services about mission, uh, about the mission, and, and as believers and as a church, what the mission of the church is, is to, uh, to reach this world with the gospel. But it's not just the church's mission, because the church are individual people. It's the assembly of individuals. And so it's not like this building. This building is not going to fulfill a mission. When we talk about the mission of the church, we're talking about individuals that are going to embrace and grab a hold of this mission uh, that God has given to us. And uh, so as we, as we look at that, uh, I think in the scriptures about some people that have had some missions. It's amazing to watch and see how God has opened up the lives, and maybe just in glimpses, but to be able to see some people from the time they get saved to the time they die and see that they were on point. You, you can see uh, maybe there were some failures in their life, and then God got involved in their life and changed who they were. And from that point forward, you see them uh, living on a mission. And tonight, or this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, a man on a mission. A man on a mission. You know, every one of us needs something to live for. We need something to live for. It's not, it's not good enough just to survive. That's a miserable place to be. It's miserable just getting up and going through the daily grind uh, just so you can go to sleep, wore out, so you can wake up tomorrow and do the exact same thing and have no fulfillment. Don't feel like your life is, has a purpose and, and there's something missing. Tonight I'm going to speak on the subject, uh, the Monday Mission. 
Monday mission. And so you'll have to be back here for that. But look again with me at our scripture uh, in Acts chapter number 9, verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many uh, of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And when we look at uh, this interaction, Ananias is about to be engaged with a man by the name of Saul, uh, Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul was a persecutor of the church, and Ananias now in a day where uh, the believers are being persecuted unto death, uh, now Ananias is told by the Lord to go and talk to this one that was responsible for Christians being killed. How would you like that mission? How would you like the Lord to call your name out? Bill? He shook his head, and as soon as I said his name, I mean, he shook his head no. Uh, and the reality is, if, if the Lord called our name and said, listen, this is what I want you to do, I wonder what our responses would be. You know, we have a God who has a bigger picture than what we have. Have you ever looked through a camera, but you didn't have a wide enough angle to be able to get the picture that you were wanting? Or maybe you didn't have the ability to get everything in focus that you were wanting to get in focus. There are pictures that I have taken with my phone. Man, that's just gorgeous. I want to take a picture of that. And then I look at the picture later and it's like, man, that's horrible. I mean, there's no way that that, that picture did not, uh, did not grab a hold of all that I am wanting to see. And, and I didn't have the ability or the tool to be able to, to grab that picture the way it needed to be uh, taken. We have a God in heaven who is way back and is looking through a plan, a master plan, and our life is a part of it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a plan for you? He does. And God's plan for you and me is going to be a plan that will make us and bring us more joy, more fulfillment, more happiness than what we could have ever imagined. You see, when we go down our own path, uh, there, th we are getting out of God's path. And to get on to God's path and to embrace the mission that he has called us to live for, we are going to be the one that is blessed. And we're going to look at a man that uh, saw that. And so first First of all, uh, I want you to see this man with a mission. Number one, I want you to see a man. Uh, it's individualized. God's plan and mission is individualized. God has a mission for you. God has a mission for you. Have you ever felt like, man, I'm just not a part? I sort of feel left out. I wish, I wish there was something for me to be there. 
I wish there was something that I could do. You know, uh, God doesn't leave us out. He has a mission, and that mission for, is for us. He has a plan for every one of us that are here this morning. Now, if you're here today and you are, you are not a child of God, I'll tell you, his plan for you today uh, is to embrace uh, the wonderful news of the gospel, Jesus Christ, God's son. He loves you. He wants you to be uh, his child. He wants you to be saved. Uh, that's, that's the greatest news. Can you imagine being a part of God's family? That's a, that's a great family to be a part of. Amen. Uh, and if you're saved, there should have been a men there. If you're in God's family, you should have been happy about that. Uh, uh, being a part of God's family is a wonderful family to be a part of. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, but we see here a man. Now, this man did not start off good. This man by the name of Saul, though we would look at it, he was a successful man. Saul was a religious individual. He had Bible knowledge, but he was lost. He was successful. He had been empowered by the Sanhedrin. This man, a young man, the Bible tells us, at this point, uh, he was a very, uh, he was a powerful young man. He was a go-getter. This was one of those zealous guys that was just going after it. I mean, he was after it, and not only was he after it, he was getting things done. I mean, it wasn't just that, well, you know, he was plodding through. No, I mean, he was, this was, if the Apostle Paul, or if Saul was, would have walked in, he would have been moving with some energy in his step. He would have been, he would have had, uh, he would have uh, some purpose, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and there would have been just uh, some momentum about him. I am guessing that he would have had, uh, though uh, he might not have been able to see well, they say that he, he had some, maybe some bad sight. Uh, we don't know about that. But what we do know is this individual was a zealous man. He was zealous, and he was successful in that uh, the world that he was in. And this man, Saul, though, uh, was, uh, was an individual that was a persecutor of the church. Uh, go back to Acts chapter 7. I've got a bunch of verses this morning, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, watch the screen if, uh, if you can't keep up. Acts chapter 7, verse 58. Uh, and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, saying, uh, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, Stephen was a godly man. He was a godly man. Uh, Stephen, uh, we're, for time's sake, we're not going to be able to go there this morning. But if you go back to chapter 6, you're going to find that uh, the apostles uh, were laboring and serving, and, and they needed some help. The widows were being neglected in the daily ministration, the Bible says. And uh, there were some uh, widows that did not have their needs met. And, and so uh, people were starting to murmur. And as this murmuring was going on, it causes division. And so with the 
the division there. Uh, Peter, he called and he said, listen, uh, you need to call, choose out seven men and, and uh, choose them uh, to be about this business. And that's where we get the deacons uh, were taken uh, here out of Acts chapter number six. And people that have the idea that the deacons are to the business as in running the church is completely unscriptural. The business was they were to serve tables. They were to meet the physical needs of the widows. That was their job. And so uh, so the pastors could be uh, focused on the ministry uh, of the word and prayer. That was the whole purpose. But Stephen, when they were choosing out seven men, he was the first one that was named. He was the first one that they named of those seven men, the godly men uh, that were going to be there uh, to assist. And, uh, and so Stephen was a good and godly man. Uh, there are two words uh, for crown in the New Testament. Uh, diadema, dima, diadema, which means a royal crown. And that's where we get the, the English word diadem, uh, which is uh, to, to crown, a victor's crown. Uh, and, uh, and so a diadem is just that royal crown, I'm sorry. And then Stephanos, Stephanos. And Stephanos uh, in the Greek is a victor's crown. Uh, where, and that's where we get the, the name Stephen uh, is victor's crown. You know, you can, you can inherit a diadem, but you have to earn a victor's crown. You have to earn a victor's crown. And Stephen, uh, he was earning uh, that, uh, that, uh, that crown there. But Saul here, he didn't stop with just stoning Stephen. He was after all of the believers. He, uh, so Saul didn't stop with Stephen. He went after all the saints. Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 1. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Uh, you know, when we, we look here, we look at Saul and we look at Stephen, and if we are thinking about it, we think Saul won. Saul didn't win. Because Saul could not get away from Stephen. He could not get away from the testimony of a Stephen who, as he was being stoned to death, was praying for him. A Stephen who was being a martyr, someone that was faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ to death. You know, we, we all think that we would be that good Christian and stand for Jesus unto death. But just stop and think of how many things stop us from serving the Lord. How many insignificant things cause us not to do something for the Lord? If that is the reality, we're not going to stand for him when it gets tough. You know, we've been through some things here in 2021, 2021, 2020. Uh, 2021, we have been. And there have been battles that people have faced. 
But we can't say we've, we've been persecuted. Not like the believers around the world have been persecuted. But we need to stand. You see, there was a persecutor. There was a man. Uh, there was a plan, a man on a mission. First, we see this man. Uh, we see this man by the name of Saul. Uh, but then, what do we find? We find that Saul is going to later be changed into Paul. He's going to change identities. You know, there has got to be an identity change for the believer. He went from being a Saul, the persecutor of the church, and now he's going to be called Paul, who was the promoter of the church. Thirteen books in the New Testament end up being uh, penned by the Apostle Paul. This individual uh, was responsible uh, for starting church after church after church. We see how God used him in a phenomenal way. Uh, He had one testimony of an old life, but the new testimony of the new life was completely different. Uh, And that was this man, this man on a mission. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1, it said, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Skip down to verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against, against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You know what happens here? Uh, Saul has a face-to-face face and caught counter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul gets saved. He gets saved. There's nobody that's too hard to get saved. There's nobody whose who's demeanor, uh, nobody. Yesterday, we're out knocking on doors and talked to a man, and, uh, and he came to the doors, and I went to give him a gospel track. He said, nope, I'm agnostic. And and I said, hey, that's a, that's, a fair, that's a fair statement. And we just started talking a little bit. And all of a sudden, his, his uh, demeanor and his antagonism just sort of dropped off. And, uh, and we just started talking a little bit. And, uh, and then before we were done, he's like, so where is this church at? You know, we're not going to win everybody every time we talk to somebody. But the reality is there isn't anybody that's too hard for the Lord to reach. There isn't anybody that's too hard. And no matter where we are at, isn't that a blessing? I am so thankful that that is the case. Uh, But Paul here, he went from being uh, the persecutor to the promoter. Uh, He meets the Lord right here. Uh, He he gets saved on this road to Damascus. He was on his way to go persecute more believers, and yet the Lord meets him, and he gets saved. And what a blessing that that is. And so uh, we see the the man. And God has a plan. He has a plan for each and every one of us. There's a mission for us to follow. There's a plan for us to live. And we see the man, first of all. That means that there's something for you and for me. Secondly, I want you to see that there's a mentor. There's somebody that has to come alongside those individuals. I'm so thankful for the people that God has brought alongside me to help me, to mature me, to teach me. 
I'm so thankful for the pastors. I'm thankful for youth pastors. I'm thankful for uh, parents, godly Christians. I'm thankful for people that have had a spiritual influence and have spoken into my life and have been used by God uh, to influence me. Uh, mentors, right off the bat, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans 14, 7, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. There's no such thing as a self-made man. There are people that come alongside and sharpen and help and strengthen and teach. And so here we look at Saul and Saul, uh, he got saved, but what happened? There was somebody that was there for him and God had a plan for Ananias. There was a mission for Ananias. Ananias wasn't uh, the preacher. Ananias wasn't going to be the, the, the worldwide traveler. He wasn't going to be the one that was going to be the, the church planner. But he was the one at that first moment that God was going to use to come alongside Saul and help him go down the right path. And so Ananias was that individual. We see how the Lord used him uh, back in Acts 9, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I am, uh, I am here, Lord. Uh, and we find here that uh, Ananias is uh, being called to do something to help Saul. Uh, skip down to verse 15 to 17. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my, for my name's sake. And Ananias went and entered into the house and put his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, what was Ananias doing? Ananias was engaging in the mission that God had for him. Uh, he had a mission. There was a plan, uh, and that plan was going to impact other people. Uh, so uh, there, he was engaging. Uh, he was not just engaging. He was enlightening. He was helping him to show uh, what that next step was for Saul's life uh, when he laid his hands on in verse 18 and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Uh, so what do we find here? This, this man Ananias, he was helping Saul go down the right path as a believer. But he's still called Saul. His identity has not changed yet. His eternal destiny has changed, but his, his identity has not. You know, everybody still knows him as the persecutor of the church. And a matter of fact, the churches are afraid of him. And Ananias was afraid of him, but the Lord said, listen, I want you to go talk to him. I want you to go lay your hands on him. I want you to draw him in. Uh, but, but here we find Ananias. He was there uh, he, to encourage uh, him. So there was that engaging. There was the enlightening. Uh, but then there was that encouraging. Uh, so we see Ananias. He was one of those mentors that came alongside. But then we see that there was a man by the name of Barnabas that comes alongside. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of, of Jesus. And when he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Uh, what do we find? We find that, that uh, there was a man that was going to be there to help Saul. He was going to be that mentor. Later, as you know your Bible, you find that Barnabas and Saul are going to be co-laborers together. And then later, the mentor is going to become the student. And Saul who has been, his name had been changed to Paul, his whole identity was changed. His whole testimony had changed. But Barnabas was that one that came alongside to help Saul in that new, uh, new, uh, new walk. Uh, Acts eleven twenty five. Then departed Barnabas uh, to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So after uh, Saul ends up going to Tarsus, we find that Barnabas, after a three year period of time, is now going to go find Saul to bring him back. And, and that's when uh, the ministry of Saul. Uh, is going to change. Chapter 12, verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so he's still, this is three years later, he is still known as Saul, the persecutor of the church. His actions have changed, but his testimony, has, his identity has not changed. But it's amazing here when you see how God removes ourselves from ourselves. You know, what a blessing. Sometimes we have to outlive our testimony. You know, when somebody gets saved and they start serving the Lord, uh, sometimes people, people they, they don't see. They're just trying to, okay, let's see whether or not this is real. That's just reality. Then that testimony of life before is still hung on a little bit. That was the case with Saul. But in Acts chapter 13, we find a change. Acts chapter 13, verse 9, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Uh, this is the first mention of the Apostle Paul having a, a name of Paul. This is first mention. Uh, over three years' time has transpired from the day that he got saved. Uh, but we see that uh, this, this uh, mentor, there were people that were there that were helping him and encouraging him and strengthening him, trying to get him to, to go the right direction. And this man uh, is now on a mission. So we see the man, we see the mentor, and then we see, lastly, here the mission. Uh, go back to Acts chapter 12 and verse 25. 
Acts 12, 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark, uh, going to the next chapter there, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon uh, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So they, being sent forth uh, by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Uh, so Saul, who's later called Paul, he's on a mission. He has been commissioned by God to go do something for him. God had a mission for Saul. There was that need for salvation. There was that need for teaching, training, preparation. But the preparation wasn't just so he could feel good about himself. That preparation was so he could do a mission. It was the preparation so he could accomplish what God had for him. Uh, and Saul, uh, or the Apostle Paul, uh, he was a man on a mission. He was mission-oriented. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 14, he said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarian, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto, uh, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, Paul was on a mission. He was on a mission. You know, when you're on a mission, a lot of the things don't sidetrack you. When you're on a mission, all the little squabbles, they don't sidetrack you. When you're on a mission, you're not going to let the naysayers stop you from accomplishing what God has called you to do. Let me tell you, God has a mission for every one of us. And there are people that will, will try to discourage, and there are people that will try to hinder, but that doesn't matter. We just have to recognize that we're on a mission. And the Apostle Paul was a man who was on a mission. And because he was on that mission, there were a lot of things that were accomplished in and through his life. When we get to the end of our life, don't we want it to matter? The older I get, the more reflective I am. Now, I'm still a young man, so it depends. That's all relative, isn't it? But the older I get, the more reflective I am. And what am I doing? And what am I giving myself to? And what's going to matter? Paul got to the end of his life and he didn't look back with regret. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have failures and things that he knew he could have done better. That's all of us. But when it came to his life, he was living for what mattered. He was living for what God created him to do. Now, God didn't create all of us to be Paul's. But just like God had a mission for Paul, God has a mission for you. Yeah. 
And with that mission, when we get to the end of our life, we'll want to be able to stop and look back and say, okay, Lord, I recognize that this is the mission that you have placed me on. Have I fulfilled that? Have I, have I followed? Have I completed that? You see, he was used, the Apostle Paul was used to enlighten the lost, to edify the saved, to expose the false teachers and the troublemakers in the church. He was, he was used to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, the Bible says, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, uh, Acts twenty twenty seven. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Uh, he was he was used then also to enlist laborers, co laborers together, the Timothys and the Titus and Silas and John Marks uh, and many others that had been serving alongside um, the the uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, his mission it wasn't just for him to get to the end of the journey. He had to take some people with him. You know, if we get there all by ourselves, it's not going to be as enjoyable. Have you ever gone somewhere and looked around and you wanted to, you saw something and you wanted to share it with somebody and they weren't there? Those of you that have lost spouses, you find yourself in that spot over and over again. You share a life with somebody, and, and then you see something that reminds you of them or something that you know that they liked, and it was like, hey, you see this? But you know, as we are on our journey, let's take some people with us. It's a good journey. Living the life that God has for us and following his plan, it will include other people. Because it's never about us. When people are consumed with them, they have no room for Christ, they have no room for others. So, no, I love the Lord and I've got focus on him. If you are not helping people, you are not serving Christ. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. By this shall all, know, uh, all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Uh, that, that engagement with those around us is part of that mission. And as we serve Christ, we need to be taking people with us. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not for me only, but uh, also unto all them, uh, but unto them also that love his appearing. You know, that's where we want to be at the end of our life. But we won't be there if we're not on a mission. If we're just floating through life, taking every day as it comes, 
we won't accomplish much. We'll do some good here and there, but we won't have the impact that we want to have. We won't have the impact that Christ wants us to have. Saul, who became Paul, he was a man with a mission. He was a man on a mission. You know what this world right now needs? It needs some Christians to be on a mission. It needs us to be able to not only follow Christ and accept Him as our Savior, follow Him in believers' baptism, and then to be discipled and taught and to grow. But then we've got to start taking the things that we've been given and just share them with others. What good does it do if we're the only one that's helped? It's a little empty. You say, Pastor, so my individual mission, how can I figure that out? And there does take, it takes some time. And there's going to be some prayer. And there's going to be some seeking what God's specific will. But there are certain things that's God's will for us all to be doing. And if we're not doing the revealed will of God, we will never find the specific will of God. If I'm not doing what he's already commanded me in his word, what makes me think that he is going to direct me on that individual path? A man on a mission. And every one of us need to be on that mission. As soon as Saul got saved, his first question was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, there is a expectation. If Christ is going to save us, I've got to do something for him. And the mission of the believer, every one of us need to be on a mission. Let's be on a mission to follow God's plan for our life. We've looked at priorities, recent messages. I'm out of time. I'm not going to re-preach them. But all of us, we need to start following what we know God wants us to do. And then we need to just be seeking God, help me to make sure I'm taking those right steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's both. And they are two different types of light. A lamp is going to give you that individual light right where you're at. The lamp will just reveal the steps of, of your path right where you're standing. But that light it's going to shine down the road. I don't know about you, but I like lights. You walk into a hardware store and you see lights on the counter. What do we do, guys? We grab the light and see how bright it is. Shine it in somebody else's eyes. The lamp is going to help us see right here, but having that light that's going down the, the long road, that path, that's what we want but we've got to be seeking his will. Father, I pray that you'd help each of us this morning. Lord, you know the needs 
that are represented. There are people here, Lord, that know your word. They have been saved. They've been baptized. They've been faithful in church. Uh, but Lord, they're sort of wandering in their, their direction. And I pray that you would help uh, us to set that little, push that little reset button. And Lord, may we truly live uh, on a mission to honor and glorify you. I pray that you would help us as we endeavor to do so. Maybe there are those that are here that have wandered away. They're not on the path at all. And uh, they know you as their savior, but they're not following you. I pray, God, that you would draw them back to yourself. For those that are unsaved, that don't don't know uh, that heaven is their home. I pray, God, that you would draw them to yourself. May we see uh, people respond to the, the love of Christ this morning. And so uh, may those that are without Christ uh, accept you today. So work now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. Do you know Christ is your personal Savior? If you do, where are we at on that mission? Where are we at on that mission? Are we following? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved, but I've not followed the Lord in believers' baptism. You come. We have everything ready. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I, I came in this morning, walked into the service, but I don't know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Let me encourage you to come. We have the men down front. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you what God has to say about you going to heaven. We won't force you to do anything you don't want to do. Just want to share what God says about you going to heaven. How about it, child of God? Are we on a mission? Are we following? Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.